Kia ora. This program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Welcome to the Alcoholics Anonymous meeting on air. My name is Victoria. I'm an alcoholic and chairperson for today's meeting. We open AA meetings with the serenity prayer and I invite you to join me. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Awesome. Um, so today we have the As Bill Sees It group in the building. Um, it is a beautiful rainy day in Wellington. <laughs> um, and I'm really looking forward to hearing um, the sharing from our guests. Um, but first we'll kick off the meeting with the AA preamble. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of people who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We're self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution. Does not wish to engage in any controversy. Neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. Awesome. So as I mentioned, it's the Asbel Sees It um, meeting's turn today. Um, and they usually read from the book as Bill sees it, um, which is one of the one of the AA literature that's available. Um, and I've just opened it to a random page today. Um, so here we've got pain and progress. Years ago, I used to commiserate with all people who suffered. Now I commiserate only with those who suffer in ignorance, who do not understand the purpose and ultimate utility of pain. Someone once remarked that pain is the touchstone of spiritual progress. How heartily we AAs can agree with him, for we know that the pains of alcoholism had to come before sobriety and emotional turmoil before serenity. Believe more deeply, hold your face up to the light, even though for the moment you do not see. Right, um, so now we'll go into the sharing portion of the meeting, and I'll ask Helen to start us off. Morena, everyone. My name is Helen and I am an alcoholic. Um, I had to laugh a little when, when that got read out. Um, it's one of those, oh, I don't know, you know, pain, but pain to, you You know, you only get some kind of serenity through first experiencing some kind of pain. And, um, you know, it's, I've heard that reading before. I went, my mind went straight back to... Uh, a little one-bedroom flat I was occupying in Wellington at the end of my drinking. Um, I'm, you know, I'm in. Well, I'm actually living outside of Wellington at the moment, and I'm back here um, seeing family. And there's a lot of um, reminders of the last years of my drinking here. Uh, but that. And the and the and the Asbel sees it meeting was the one where I feel I made my 
final walk into sobriety really. I, I didn't get AA straight away. I was living in England and, you know, existing on a kind of a litre and a half of vodka a day at least and skinny and sick and pain. Whew, um, yeah, just very... Uh, just yeah, very sick in every way, mentally, emotionally, physically. I don't even think I. I had a little bit of spirituality. I believed in God, um, but I was so full of shame that I. I didn't feel able to ask for anything. Um, you know, in hindsight, uh, I did get on my knees one day and ask. For help, and I think now looking back, within about couldn't have been any more than month and a half, maybe eight, six, eight weeks. I found myself back in New Zealand. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I couldn't have made that happen. So, um, but I still had another six years of drinking in me. Another two, I did two rehabs in England, two rehabs back here. Still didn't get it. Um, and I and I and I was so. It, alcohol did to me, you know, what is promised. Really, it, it isolated me completely. It took everything I had drunk into my life, you know, friends and and some kind of lifestyle, and going to England, and you know, self will run right, all the things I thought I wanted. By the time I hit my thirties, you know, they would. I was drinking them straight back out again. Um, my last ten years, I was unemployable. Um, I had no friends. My family were on the periphery of of my life, but they more or less said, "Look, we can't, we can't get up close to you and watch you do this to yourself. We're here if you want to stop, but while you're doing it, we we can't watch." Um, so yeah, so there was there was me scamming it on the sickness benefit, living in a one bedroom council flat, and I can honestly say I had no interaction with another human being apart from the guy in the bottle store, you know, the guy in the off licence. Um, and I mean, I might have a random attempt at a hello with someone if I, you know, when it was out in the streets. but And I was maintenance drinking, which is just a pitiful place to be. I, I couldn't afford, you know, in England, a litre of vodka is like nine pounds. It's, you can do it on a benefit. But over here, 35 Forget it. So, you know, chateau cardboard and whatever. I used to spend inordinate, inordinate amounts of time in the off-licence scanning shelves for the least expensive, most, you know, alcoholic uh, percentage liquid I could find. <laughs> um, and I, I, and so 10 o'clock one morning, I, I just, I, I got blessed, really, I suppose you would say now, I, I got given the grace to somehow know deep within my soul. And I, I relate it to seeing John Key on the TV. I was watching Beneficiary Bashing. I was scamming it on the sickness benefit. And just knowing within the depths of my being, it was never going to get any better than this. You know, by that stage, I started drinking when I was 18. I would have been 42. Two, I think at the time knowing it was never going to get any better and then, then at the same time I just knew it was going to get worse that was my perception and it was a perfect storm 
I, I just, I, I, within, I just, I can't do homeless. I can't do homeless. And actually, that probably wouldn't have happened because I was in a council flat and I did pay my rent. My rent and my electricity went out, and then I was allowed the rest. But it was pitiful. I, I felt pitiful and I felt hopeless at that moment. And my gift was I was able to get up and I had been knocking around Wellington long enough to know that at 5.30 that night there was an Asbel Caesar meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I knew where it was and I dusted myself down. I had a shower, I got changed and I made it to that meeting. And I, someone, a, a fellow described me, oh, it was about a month later, he says, oh, you're looking so much better. He said, God, when you walked in, you looked like possum in headlights. <laughs> and I have to say, the way I felt was just like this big ball of fear with two legs and two arms walking in. And of course, you know, I, terrified. It's not that I was a street. Everyone knew me. I'd, I'd been in the meeting before. And of course, I was surrounded by women and 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 covered in love and and in that and in that meeting I laughed and I you know I I just I just I finally had, I had had enough I guess at that moment and I and I can't really say why it was it was really a gift because I could not stop drinking. I just couldn't stop drinking and it didn't seem to matter how bad it got. So um, that started my journey. I still, three months later, had a relapse and it was just like the big book said. There was not a cloud in the sky. Everything was going right. Uh, I think I'm trying to remember maybe on step, still in the one, two, three steps with a, with a sponsor, but, you know, and and getting help with a with a, another psychiatric kind of you know other help let's just say on outside issues and uh, it, it was perfect but it was also two p.m. on a Friday afternoon and I had to walk past an off license to get home and I can say now that the most joy I got out of that bottle of vodka was walking home with it in my bag it was just so exciting. It was like, yay, it's Friday, I've got a bottle of vodka, you know, Saturday, Sunday, this is going to be a great weekend. So, you know, bang, straight out of the bottle when I got home, bang, bang, because it had been a long time since I'd put anything in a glass. And, you know, and I woke up about three hours later, there was a maybe an inch left in the bottle, and I can't remember a thing. And so I was like, yeah, okay, this shit doesn't work for me anymore, you know, and that was my last drunk and that, that, that was it for me. So, and, and that was over 10 years ago and I just, wow, you know, from that isolated, scared little girl I'd call myself to my life now is, is nothing short of a miracle. You know, I've got a car, I've got a job, I've got a boyfriend, I've got all my family back, I have friends. Uh, I am living life and I am very grateful for it. Um, you know, I made that walk in and I just did as I was told. I just, I picked the meanest person in the room to be my sponsor and by her own description she was a big book basher and she had a few years of sobriety and she was not there to be my friend. She was there to get, you know, to take me through the steps and... Um, and I'm grateful for that, you know. She 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 did it the big book way, 
and it worked. Um, and, and hand on heart to anyone that's listening that's struggling, this program works. And I was a daily, if my eyes were open, I was drinking drunk. And today I don't have to drink. And I'm pretty sure I'm not going to today with the grace of God. I'll leave it there. Thank you. Kia ora. Thanks, Helen. Um, just a reminder, you're listening to Wellington Access Radio 106.1 FM. Um, and this is the Wellington Alcoholics Anonymous meeting on air. If you or someone you know can relate to the sharing today and you're wanting to reach out, if you're in New Zealand, there is a free 24-7 0800 number, 0800 AA Works, or you can find us on the website www.alcoholicsanonymous.org.nz. And on that website, there's a really great tool which is the meetings list um, where you just put in the day and what area you're in and all the meetings will come up. Um, it's also good to check at the moment whether they're online or whether they're in person. Okay, um, now I'll ask Dave to share. Thanks, Victoria. Hi, I'm Dave. I'm an alcoholic. Get it, Dave. Yeah, pain, the touchstone of growth. Yeah, it's some. Um, I didn't realise how dependent on alcohol I'd become because I just got on with what I thought was my daily life and, you know, if you had a life that looked like mine, you'd probably drink too, and I did. I drank every day. I drank after work and I drank for either as much as I had time for as much as I had money for. Um, and sort of like... The time drinking got longer and longer and the money got shorter and shorter and the justification for it all got better and better. And, you know, that was the only thing that improved as my drinking went on was my justification of why I drank so much and, you know, nothing to see here, perfectly normal. And, um, of course, I, I was in my late 20s and um, doing the party rounds and I, I went to a barbecue um, in the backyard of a mate's place and I met this woman and we got on really, really well and um, yeah, so much so that um, yeah, we caught up lots afterwards and during the sort of oh, I don't know whether you'd call it a courtship process, it was more like a, a very, very organised and formal hostage taking process um, which is sort of how I've found relationships work in, in um, non-recovery um, so anyway, yeah, as, as as part of the toing and froing and the um, exposing of little bits in your life that you think it's safe to expose, I sort of got told, well, you know, um, something you need to know about me. She said, um, "Yeah, I'm an alcoholic." And oh, that's that's no good for you. Um, and she says, "Yeah, well, you know, it's um, I think I've got it under control. I I go to meetings. And I say, oh, yeah, 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 you know, absolutely love struck." All defences down, you know. No, and then she went on to say, "Well, look, you know, just to try and help you understand how my head works. Come along to a couple of open meetings with me. Um, you know, you, you you don't have to say anything. Just come along, and you know, hopefully it'll help you work out how my thinking works because it's yeah, you know, it's not like normal people. Well, you know." <laughs> not realising, of course, that I too was a problem drinker and with all defences thoroughly stowed because I wasn't there for me, I was there for somebody else. I trotted along to beginner's group on a Wednesday night at 
7.30 at St Anne's Church in Newtown and met all these people that I got on really well with. Well, yeah, I was, you know, they were pleased to see me and asked me a few questions. I told them, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here and supportive. And, yes, oh, yeah, cool, 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 yep. But what people were talking about in that meeting was stuff that had bugged me for a long, long time. Um, you know, what I wouldn't articulate to anybody because it was the sort of stuff that I thought would get me committed to an asylum for the rest of my life, the, the terminal fear and the abject loneliness and the fact that really I felt uncomfortable even in my own skin, no matter where I was. Um, and even if I was on my own, I could find things wrong with myself. And the only way I'd managed to manage those feelings was to drown them in alcohol. And that was okay in my books because it had worked remarkably well for me for about 20 years. Um, and these people were talking about those feelings. And they were talking about the fact that they no longer bugged them and that they'd found a solution. And it wasn't so much the alcohol out of their lives, but it was the terminal loneliness had gone um, and they were happy to do things. And, um, yeah, yeah, so I thought that was quite miraculous and I took my hat off to them and I came back the next week and the week after and the week after and eventually started turning up without my dear girl in tow and people sort of said, well, you know, we're sure. And, um, not here. What are you doing here? I need to be here. I think I've found the answer. And, um, yeah, that was a long, long time ago and the... Unfortunately, unhappy ending is that she was no longer with us. She died at a very, very untimely age of a brain tumour. But, you know, the gift to me was sobriety. And, you know, the subject is with pain comes growth. And if I hadn't realised how much I hurt and that was what was causing my drinking, I wouldn't have come in. And let's just say it wasn't it. Let's just whip through the 12 steps and all your problems will be taken away by the higher power that you didn't realise you had um, and all will be well. No, there was a whole lot more pain and a whole lot more growth. And, you know, God willing, if I keep going to meetings, keep doing what I do and nothing else terrible goes wrong in the meantime, I should celebrate my 25th birthday later this year, which is a bloody miracle from somebody who was, wouldn't admit they were a payday away from bankruptcy when they were drinking. And, you know, it was getting pretty rough because you know, there wasn't enough hours in the day to earn enough to drink and drink enough to cope with the problems and then try and get yourself back in order to go back and earn enough to get enough to drink. And, you know, so I guess the short answer is, if you're out there hurting and you're suffering from terminal loneliness, um, and yeah, it's such an ugly thing, I, you know, I, I can remember being in the licensed premises where I normally drank, and you know, I knew everybody by first name, and I was walking back with another pint in my hand, and I just felt that you know, the hole in your soul feeling, just so empty and so lonely. And I don't have that feeling that much now, you know. And if I'm feeling a bit dejected, I'm feeling a bit sort of crap, 
then there's a whole bunch of people that I can go and have a very uncommon conversation with. And it goes like, how are you doing? I'm all right. How about you? Actually, that's why I rung you, because I'm not that flash. This is how I feel. How many blokes in New Zealand have the opportunity to have that conversation with another human being in a safe environment? And that's something that we can probably all work on. But yeah, in the meantime, you know, if you if you happen to have tuned in or you're listening to this on a podcast or and you're just really not sure, the answer is go try it out and see. And uh, I'll leave it there. Thanks, folks. Thanks, Dave. Um, just a reminder, you're listening to 106.1 FM Wellington Access Radio, and this is the Wellington Alcoholics Anonymous meeting on air. Um, if you or someone you know can relate to the sharing and you want to get in touch, there's the 0800 number 0800 AA Works or the website alcoholicsanonymous.org.nz. If you're overseas, Google is your friend. Um, there is AA in most countries, um, and if you're living in... Some overseas countries, um, if you're in a city that's big enough, there's often English-speaking meetings as well. Um, okay, um, kia ora, my name is Victoria and I'm an alcoholic. Yeah, I'm glad that I randomly opened the book to this reading because it's just so important, you know? Like, when I got here, I was filled with shame and fear and anger and finding out that one day, you know, if I work the steps, all of that experience can be used to help other people. That was the first time that my pain was transferred into something positive, was, yeah, finding out that all those experiences can be used for something good. Um yeah, I mean, I had to get to a really low place before I was able to have any growth, you know. I needed to get to that jumping off point of being so miserable and feeling like I didn't have any options to be willing to take a chance on a third option, you know, because I had drinking and I knew where that was leading. And I had not drinking the way that I was, which didn't work either because I just wanted to kill myself. So I thought, wow, maybe there's a third option, you know, and that was the first leap of faith um, and brought me into my first meeting. But, um, you know, it wasn't, it didn't start out as pain, you know, my first drink, I felt like it was the solution to all my problems. Um, you know, I got this warm spreading feeling and I felt like I could exhale for the first time in my life. And I just chased that feeling for as long as I could. Um, but yeah, I just, I got to a point where I was living this double life and it was so painful living this double life and it was so painful being dishonest and it was so painful losing every relationship that I had, every friendship that I had. Um, you know, the relationship with my family was getting really dire um, and I just absolutely hated myself and I was just in so much pain. Um, and so I got sober. Um, I, w I went to a um, facility and I got sober, but I was still in pain because I still had 
all the defects of character. I still had the self-hatred. I still had the shame. I still had the anger. Um, but I hadn't learned how to do anything with it. So the jumping off point for me came when I'd already been sober for a couple of months. And it was what I described before of um, not being able to keep going as I was going because I was just miserable, not being able to go back to drinking because I knew it was literally going to kill me um, and having to be open-minded that maybe there was a third option um, because I, I heard that one of the women in the facility I went to that I really related to had killed herself and the thought just struck me of that's going to be you unless you sort this out, unless you do something different. You know, it's time to admit that you actually can't do this and you need something else. And I went to my first AA meeting the next day. And funnily enough, my first AA meeting was this one, the As Bill Sees It group. And I came in late and I said, am I in the right place? And everyone cracked up laughing <laughs> and I couldn't. I was so mad. I was like, why are these people laughing at me? I don't understand. But now like being in the program, I understand why am I in the right place is so funny, you know, because most people don't come here by mistake. Um, and how was I to know that I was absolutely in the right place? There's no other place that feels Today, I mean, sometimes, you know, I have a wonderful family and I feel a great connection with them, but I think AA meetings are sometimes the most right place for me to be, you know, the place where I feel most okay, um, you know, and and I had to go through a lot of pain to get there, you know, that was that's the reward for my pain is that I get the opportunity to live differently so that I'm not in pain. And actually pain has been a really important part of my recovery because it has been the touchstone of progress, you know, like I've had um, a lot of periods in sobriety where I've gone through really difficult things or just been really like struggling emotionally. And every time that that's happened, it's always been worth it because I get growth as a result. You know, like my um, recovery hasn't been a slope. It's been kind of like a slope and then a plateau and then a slope and then a plateau and then a slope and then a plateau. Um, and I've actually just come out of a couple of months of dealing with really bad anxiety, um, which, yeah, I've, I've really been struggling Um and the good thing about it is that it's made me turn to the program. So I've been working the program much harder um, than previously. So I've been getting all the benefits of that. So, you know, in recovery, pain always leads to growth for me. Um, and, yeah, just this week I've been struggling a little bit with um, a fear of relapse because um, I'm coming up to my birthday, my AA birthday. Um, and I've just started having all these thoughts of like, oh God, you've relapsed before, you might relapse again. And, you know, you were doing stuff, you know, you were still in AA when you relapsed. And what if you're not, you know, you, you haven't done enough before. And what if you're not doing enough now? Um, and I had this ridiculous day on Tuesday where I feverishly listened to all these speaker tapes and reread the big book trying to figure out what I was missing. I was like, there has to be some part of the program that I'm just not doing. And there was nothing. <laughs> you know, It's a very simple program. And at the moment, I'm working it to the best of my ability. And I'm, I'm not missing anything. It's just we are not guaranteed 
to feel good all of the time, you know? And I think that was what was going on for me. I was like, oh, well, I'm meant to feel good, so clearly I'm not doing something right. Um, But, you know, God isn't life. Life is life, you know, especially with everything that's going on in the world. It's important for me to remember that, you know, life is life and God aren't aren't the same thing. Um, But, yeah, today I have a new freedom and a new happiness, you know, Um, and it's as a result of working the steps of the program. And when hard things happen, I have a response now which isn't, I, I, you know, I, I, re, I was sharing about this in a meeting the other day that isn't it great that my thinking is no longer, my first thought when something goes wrong is no longer either I'm going to drink or I'm going to kill myself, you know, and that was my thinking for a really long time, even into recovery for quite a long time, I still had that thinking and that thinking's gone, you know, so, and so it means that I know I can trust my higher power because my higher power did that. I, I couldn't do that. Medical professionals couldn't do that. That change in thinking was brought about by a higher power. Um, so it's just a good reminder to trust God um, and keep doing the things that I'm doing. Um, and also have fun. You know, it's important to have fun and sobriety. Someone reminded me of that this week. Um, I think I'll leave it there. Uh, so uh, we've got a bit of time. Um, so we might just finish early today. Um, uh, sorry, I'm just I, I'm used to us finishing on 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 time, so I'm not really sure what to do at this point. Um, do you guys normally read the promises? Okay. Do you want to read them? Right, so um, we're just going to close by reading the promises in the big book um, that come when you get to the ninth step. Yeah, I'm Dave. I'm an alcoholic. and the, These are the promises that are hidden on page 83 of the big book and a chapter called Into Action. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past, nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity, and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realise that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. Thanks, Dave. Um, so now we will close the meeting with a serenity prayer. God, God, God grant, grant me the serenity, serenity to, to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and, and wisdom, wisdom to, to know, know the, the difference. difference. 
program was brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks New Zealand On Air for funding accessmedia.nz.